Hi, this is Ryan Stanek, and you're listening to Strohs Across the Globe. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 14 of Strohs Across the Globe, the podcast presenting an international view on the Houston Astros, brought to you in association with Apollo Media as part of the Apollo Podcast Network, all Houston, all original. I'm your host, George Martin, also known as at Astros Fans UK on Twitter and similarly on other platforms. As always, I have another fantastic Astros guest on the show for you today, as I had the chance to speak a little while ago before the LA Angels series with Houston Astros reliever Ryan Stanek. Ryan has been an excellent addition to the bullpen this year for the Astros, as primarily a dependable and electric 7th and 8th inning arm. With the way the season is shaping up, it is almost certain that Stanek will play a huge role across September and October as we get to the business end of this year. Ahead of that conversation, though, let's take a quick look at where the Houston Astros stand, leading the American League West by five and a half games over the Oakland A's at time of recording, but in the midst of an offensive downturn after an August where it became harder and harder for our rightly much-vaunted offense to score runs of any description. You have to imagine that it's only a matter of time before the bats click once again and the runs start piling up, but it's certainly a concern as we trudge through the dog days of summer into September. We need that Jose Altuve heartbeat of a bat to catch fire again soon, and when it does, you can be sure that the rest of the team will follow. It certainly doesn't hurt that the A's seem determined not to take advantage of our shortcomings too. Back to today's show and what is a lively, interesting and entertaining chat with my special guest, Ryan Stanek. We begin with a look at Ryan's view on the Astro season so far and what the mood is like in the clubhouse. Before I ask about the effect on the players of playing in front of hostile booing crowds everywhere the Astros play on the road this season. Following this, I ask about how his perception of the Astros prior to joining the club compared with the reality, having now had half a year with the club, before getting his take on working with pitching coach Brent Strom. We then take a look at how Stanek is feeling as part of the recently bolstered back end of the Astros' bullpen following the Kendall Graveman trade as they work alongside closer, the magnificent Ryan Presley. Additionally, we assess Ryan's thoughts as a pitcher on the MLB rule changes from last year that remain, and also rewind to take a journey through his own path to the majors and baseball influences along the way. Also on the show, another special prize for listeners as one of you wins the t-shirt of their choice from Apollo Media. Please keep subscribing, rating and reviewing stories across the globe on the podcast platform which you're listening to this on. Positive feedback never gets old and is the lifeblood of this show. I would be truly thankful if you can please keep on spreading the word about stories across the globe. The more support and good reviews that I get, the easier it makes it for me to get you more amazing and insightful guests on this show. Now, after a brief message from Apollo Media about other great shows on the Apollo Podcast Network, it's time for my discussion with Ryan Stanek. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome back to Strohs Across the Globe. Once again, I am delighted to present another fantastic guest on the show for you today as I'm joined by a current member of the Houston Astros, the latest pitcher to appear as a guest, the hard-throwing, electric, king of the flow and very much an integral part of the 2021 Astros revamped back end of the bullpen, none other than Mr. Ryan Stanek. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Only one place to start. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Just uh, just got to sunny California. Uh for the off day so it's good yeah i think you must be eight hours back from where we are here in the uk good question yeah how, how do you spend your off days normally 
It just kind of depends on on uh, where we're at, honestly. Like, obviously, traveling so much, like at home, pretty much just hang out with my my wife and my dog, and uh, try to eat some somewhere nice. Honestly, try to eat some good food, and then on the road, pretty much stick to the eat good food and probably play video games, and that's about <laughs> that's about it. And there's something in particular I wanna I wanna go see or do. Cool. So it sounds pretty good. What games do you normally play? Um, actually, like I've been playing the show. I've been playing like Assassin's Creed. I play COD, obviously. I, I mean, I pretty much play whatever. Like at home, I've got my PC set up, but on the road, I bring my Xbox. So, cool. Yeah, I feel like the Astros are, are quite a, a heavy gaming side. Would that be a fair comment to make? Yeah, I would say so. It's, it's. I feel like it's definitely a bunch of low key gamers, like guys that like when I got here, I wouldn't have expected to play and then a lot of the guys actually play which is pretty cool who's the best at uh, mlb the show um i don't know i haven't really played anybody like heads up in it um i know luis garcia is really good he plays he plays a lot of the show yeah this show uh starts across the globe is part of the apollo podcast network which is um apollo media mm-hmm. the group of houston-based fans who've really started a great company which is going from strength to strength and i'm very proud to be part of that but i know that one of our guys uh, does he i think he played luis garcia on mlb the show recently and if i'm not mistaken forgive me des i think you got smoked by luis garcia so um <laughs> yeah i have heard that i have heard as much speaking of well let's where should we start let's start with the astros this year how would you assess the season at this point for the Astros, just generally? I feel like we've had a pretty good year. I mean, we've had a couple of lulls, like, obviously, but, like, it's a long season. You play a ton of games. Mm. So, like, that just naturally comes with with a 162-game season. Like, you're going to have high points. You're going to have some low points. And it's just uh, basically about staying the course, more or less. Like, you, you sit there and, and try not to get too high, try not to get too low. And just play as consistent a baseball as you can play. And like overall for the course of the year, obviously I think we're what 20, 20 some games over 500. Mm-hmm. Like it, that shows that we've played, played good baseball throughout the course of the year. Definitely. I think it always surprises me how much fans are surprised by the peaks and troughs of the 162 game season. It's almost like every year the, the reactions are the same in terms of people react emotionally to the highs but too much and obviously the same in reverse to the lows as, as a team how do you manage to keep yourselves level-headed when you you do have those high moments if you've got an 11 game win streak versus say losing five out of six games how do you manage to sort of keep the same the same attitude I think everybody's played so much that like they realize that as a team like we realize that the game is hard and like Everybody at the big league level is so good record wise. Like if the records aren't good or not, like, like it doesn't matter. Everybody at this level is good. And like, sometimes you go out there and you get beat, you can play good baseball and win, you can play good baseball and lose. And then you, you go about your business the same way every day. And, and you put together like a good body of work, like, in your day leading up to the game, you get your work in, you you take a consistent mindset. And I think everybody at, on the team right now knows that the effort and the work and the, the skill level that is on this team that people have put forth to go out there and play every day, like, is good. That, they, that nobody's like, I don't know, I don't know how to put it, but like, mm-hmm. 
nobody's like cheating themselves. They're going, they're yeah. going out, like putting forth the work and they know that you do your work, you stay consistent. Typically good things happen. So like, and when they don't, you go, all right, well, like, what am I doing? Okay. All the work is good. Things will turn because it's baseball. Like it, it amazes me. Cause like, you're right. When you said that it, people like, it's almost like people forget like mm. from year to year that like baseball has got highs and lows. Like Big it's time. such a strange phenomenon. I feel like, because like everybody's like, Oh my God, they play, they're playing so bad or they're playing so mm. good. Like, yeah, but last week you said we sucked and this week we're <laughs> great. Like it's, it's just, it's just the game. And like, I think the players understand that to like the core because you mm. live it every single day. You can't, cause you know, you can't get too high or too low. And yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely a weird, a weird thing looking at it going, Oh yeah. Like, yeah, it's just, it's like, it sucks to lose four or five or yeah. whatever, but we could just be just as is just as easy win ten in a row. Like it's yeah. just it's just part of it. For sure, and I'm glad you mentioned about the Astros in terms of a hard working context because the, the roster, the whole squad, comes across as to me as a fan as one that does work extremely hard. And I'm sure that all you know all the teams do, but the, the, particularly this unit, it doesn't seem like there's any ego in there. It seems like everyone is very much focus on what they need to do everyone knows their roles and it's it's just a case of getting on with the job and that is that can only be a good thing and what would you how would you assess the the mood in the clubhouse just generally at the moment as we are in the sort of dog days of summer if you like it's good man it's really good like the the like you said like the like the lack of ego and the lack of whatever like of those like i don't i don't know what you mean, like negative vibes negative yeah. emotions mm-hmm like thoughts like everybody's so focused on on winning and the next game and all of those those things like very it's a very process oriented team which like like you said in the dog days of summer like the teams that stay very like on task stay focused stay with their work stay with their approach stay with their discipline like tend to to do well and it's a very, very like close knit team, obviously with the stuff we have to deal with from uh, visiting fans and yeah. all that. But like, it really is like, it's, it's a very family oriented team. Like everybody's close. Everybody talks like there's not this group and this group and this group and this group that like hang out together. It's like you have your friends, but pretty much everybody's friends with everybody on the team, which doesn't always happen like there's typically mm. like a lot of times there's even with the closest teams there's still like some grouping this is a very very like close-knit team because i think all the external forces against us mm. has brought this team so much closer together which i think makes us better in the long run yeah, I'm very glad that you, you mentioned that in terms of being such a tight-knit unit as, as a result of the experiences that you're going through, particularly on the road. It sounds like an obvious question, but what has that been like in terms of how, how have you managed, not you just not just you personally, but the team as a whole, how have you managed to, and what has your approach been to dealing with that on the road when you've got these vitriolic atmospheres where everyone is is, is booing you guys, 
and you're just having to get on with the job, but how, how are you managing to kind of harness that? Because sometimes it, it comes across as they are fueling you guys, as in when the crowds get on your back like that, it seems like the team responds and finds that extra gear. It's almost like we've struggled more in the games where that's not there than when it is there, if that makes sense. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting interesting atmosphere because like, like I don't want to say it fuels us, but it doesn't. Yeah also not you know what i mean in the yeah, same it deter you. Yeah, yeah like it's 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 something that like like we expect it and i think every fan base that we go like that we see like on the road like expects what they do to be like new and different yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it really isn't yeah it's uh, not we've every single place we've gone and it's like okay cool like we we know what our job is and our job is to go out there and win baseball games and like I don't like like you said like fuels us. I don't know if it fuels us, but I think it it doesn't bother us at all. It it get it like like I think it's gotten to the point now where it's it's so normal yeah. that you just expect it and you just move about your day like nothing is going on because in our eyes it basically isn't. It's just another day on the road and you move on. What's the craziest thing that you've seen on the road game so far this season? Anything which we haven't seen on the tv broadcast which might be like wow that's kind of strange um i don't know i think i don't like i've never been a part of obviously any games where people have like been like had objects and beer stuff thrown at them other than in la in la like they were throwing beer cans and stuff like at other fans and and it was it was it was weird it was wild like just like like oh wow like this is actually happening type like like environment and besides that like just the typical just yelling and that's besides that that was the only time that anybody's anything i guess like people have thrown like stuff on the field but that's Mm, yeah yeah kind of is what it is it's got to the point where it's it's very dull seeing it how question particularly for someone like yourself who wasn't part of 2017 and you joined the club and you're having to put up with that how are the players that weren't part of that team sort of feeling about that? How are you guys handling it? Is it, is it a case of, wow, why are you getting on our back? Or is it just that it's, it's no different and you just get on with it? I mean, I think right off the bat, everybody like everybody that like started the year that wasn't a part of that mm. was like a little bit like, hey, I wasn't even here type mentality. Yeah. And like as the year has gone on and like you're like, they're booing our guys, like our friends, our family, mm. like our, our people at that point. And you get like, like, I don't know, you, you, you get defensive and protective over your guys because they're, they're your, your friends. But like also in the same, in the same breath, you go, okay, well, that was four years ago. That was, I don't know, 90% of our roster, like that roster ago, like, there, I mean, it's, it's just something that, I don't know, like you, like it just is. It's just a thing that is, and um, fans, fans don't seem to even know that there's like people that weren't there. People don't seem like it's like they don't read or don't do their homework. They just come and see a jersey and yell at you, and you're like, I wasn't. I was, I was in the big leagues, but I wasn't on this team. I've been on two other teams before I got here. And this is my first year, and they're like, and they're like, you're still a cheater or whatever, and you're like, that doesn't even make sense. I just got here, and you're like, this is that's like this is it's dumb. It's, yeah, and, they, 
it doesn't make sense on multiple levels. I mean, yeah, it's it's very strange seeing it, and as a fan, it's, yeah, it's that's done is like mm. impressive. Sorry, second. The lack of homework that people do going into games is impressive. Like they don't, they don't, they don't like read or look up anything about the team. They just see the uniform and yell. And you're like, that's. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's, it's strange. It's very very no, strange. Yeah, it's like I, I would say part of being a good fan is just knowing what's going on and being involved and being like informed of either your team's roster or if you're going to like in our case, if you're going to come try to boo us or whatever, mm. at least know the roster or know what's going on. And they're, they're booing. Like we, we just got, we just tried for four guys in the bullpen at one point and they were getting booed in San Francisco. And you're like, these guys just got here. Like, <laughs> Hey, like this doesn't even make sense. And they don't care. They just want to yell. They just want to be grumpy. Yeah. Just booing the laundry. As I say, is very silly. Would it be fair to say that that Dodgers, the win against the Dodgers in Dodger Stadium, particularly with your performance there, is your favorite moment of being an Astro so far and indeed this season? Yeah, it's definitely up there. It's definitely up there because, I mean, that was my first ever trip into uh, to Dodger Stadium. So yeah, that was, yeah. Mm. Um, like, that's one of the, it was, I think, one of like, what, th- maybe three stadiums that I hadn't been. So it was pretty cool, like, just getting to see it and be be there for the first time and then obviously like dust economy in the ninth that day was was really cool and to get the save that guy was awesome it was it and just to win a really well played baseball game there like it was just it was pretty special it was it was it was a, it was a really good day it seemed it sort of slightly changing the conversation from this year to just the subject of joining the astros how would you sum up the difference of the outside perception of the astros from having viewed the Astros from afar from other clubs to being part of the Astros, was it very different from how you expected or was it what you were expecting? How, how could you sum, sum that up? In a lot of ways, it was different than what I expected because I wasn't expecting the club. Like, like, like we talked about the, the very, very family oriented mm-hmm. club, how very tight knit group, the lack of ego. I honestly coming in, I expected with as many big name players and like yeah. well-known players in the league, like in so many obviously successful players on one team. I I expected there to be ego and there to be some of this like like nose in the air type, but there there was none of that, which was like the best thing I could have ever asked for. Cause like they well they they basically walk into the clubhouse day one like Tuve and Carlos and Breggy, like who I played against in college and some other guys like all walked up and go, Hey, welcome. Welcome to be here. We're glad to have you here. Like, Hey, like you're going to be a part of this. We're, we're, we're out here just to win. And like, it was a very blue collar, like no collar type work ethic, like mindset that came out. And it was, it was a little surprising, but like also like very, very refreshing because their approach is very do your work, go out there, play hard, get your job done. Let's go win a let's let's go win a ball game. And and their whole goal from day one, all anybody could talk about is winning a ring. It was it was, oh, not let's get to the playoffs. It's like their whole mindset was, hey, we're here to win a ring. Like that's that's what we're here for. And like just feeling that those are, are 
like the motivations, the drives, the, the, the expectations or whatever, like you're like, Oh damn, I got to get on it. Like, it's like, I got to stay on my, on my, on my business like every day. And it's, it's a great mindset to have. I love to hear that as a fan, that's all you can ask for is, is a team that works his butt off every day and, and is looking to win. And that's why this team has been so enjoyable for so long. And, and we love that, that core of the team. And I, I'm so glad to hear that that's how they welcome new players into the fold. I know that Kendall Graveman's spoken of exactly the same thing in terms of being welcomed into the family immediately since joining. That's really helped him sort of hit the ground running uh, once since becoming an Astro. Are there any, this is a sort of random question, but are there any sort of initiation things that you have to do when you join the Astros? Is there any sort of fun stuff? No, no, um, not really. It's like, I feel like typically that's like a rookie thing. Like they like make you tell you, tell something about yourself and like <laughs> maybe think song or something but like with with all the the covid stuff and everything and mm. like typically that's like a bus ride thing but those those things like haven't really happened yeah. because it's been like split up so like it's it's been it's it's i don't know it's been pretty like like quiet i guess yeah. like there's like Makes sense yeah how would you summarize well, how would you sum up working with brent strom i've had a number of pitches on the show i had uh ryan presley on the show i had an early parade is, uh, I've had many discussions with players about Brent Strom and, and the magic that he works. When you joined the club, so two things, how would you summarise working with him? And when you did join the club, what were the first things that he started focusing on with you? Oh, Stromy's been awesome. He's been, he's been great. Like he's very low key in, in the best ways because I feel like a lot of times so many people that are like teaching and very knowledgeable immediately go super hands-on and try to make changes and stuff like that, which he didn't do. He sat in like in camp whenever I first got there, just watched, like watch my first couple bullpens, watch me throw. And then we made adjustments. Then we started talking about different things like, like, it's like, it's, it's hard. Like if you're sitting there looking at something and there's no, nothing to fix. Sometimes a great ability is knowing when not to fix something or Mm. when to fix something like, and we talked about my breaking ball and how to make that better. We talked about how to make just in general, my, my delivery simpler and, and more efficient and whatever. And like just cleaning things up. And doing so in a very like, like straightforward, don't really waste time. Don't, don't mince words, do, do this. And like, we'll, we'll basically get to the, to the point where you're comfortable and, and yeah, like confident in what you're doing, which is such a big factor. And like, just like, like I said, like the ability to know when and when not to, to tweak things is, is invaluable. Agree. I think that is probably one of the main reasons, thinking about it, why he's been so successful with the Astros, with the different variety of pitches that he's worked with. When I had Kent Emanuel on the show, I was talking to him not just about his rehab, but about the different ways that pitchers train, depending on whether they're being stretched out to go for longer outings or whether they're coming to the game as a reliever. I wanted to get your 
not just views, but also just a little bit of insight on what kind of training do you do to maintain during the season to maintain that kind of explosiveness uh, because you need that fastball and you need that velo being where it is. Uh, how do you, what do you do training wise to, to keep that up? Um, a lot of times I just follow what our strength and conditioning guys or our strength coaches have to say. Taylor Rhodes has been awesome. Um, what kind of like, stuff does that include? Just, just basic lifting. Like it, uh, it just depends between like, I don't know, like a single leg squat or a, a lunge or a, w- a walking lunge or uh, what, whatever that may mm-hmm. be. And, I mean, I, I try not to do anything too crazy in season or too like loaded up like uh, with weight or anything because it's like you have to play every day. And as a reliever, you have to play a lot. So try to trying to like avoid being sore by but also like getting your work in and maintaining strength and and mobility and flexibility and all those things like they go hand in hand and it's 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 just a piece of the puzzle to like maintain what you're doing and doing and and keep in and maintaining your health in the same in the same process speaking of explosiveness and velo how exciting is it to be part of this sort of remodeled back end of the bullpen where you've got yourself, Kendall Graveman, Ryan Presley is this three pronged nightmare attack to finish off ball games. And honestly, from a fan point of view, it's thrilling to see how, how is it being part of that? How, how are you feeling? I feel good, man. The, the bullpen, the bullpen is, is, is good. I feel like even before all the moves, I feel like the mm. bullpen, caught a lot of hate for no reason i mean i think even before like before all the moves i like we were in the top half of the league like it wasn't wasn't like the bullpen was bad it was just i mean being a reliever is the most fickle job in baseball it's like two good months and have one bad week and your numbers look like you've had a bad year so that's that's a hard part about being a reliever and the the stuff in general in the bullpen obviously like you said with presley and and graveman is is pretty good is pretty dang good and then not to mention we added montero who had big stuff yimmy garcia who's got big stuff and mayton who's got really good stuff and straight like misses a lot of bats and then you got blake and brooks as our lefties and then you even like get to like, oh yeah, like there's Javier who's got some of the most disgusting yeah. stuff in the bullpen and maybe in the league, and you're sitting there going like, oh, like there's just just good good stuff from like top to bottom in the bullpen, and and not not to mention like just good stuff and like a wide variety of skill sets like there's a lot of different looks that we can throw at people so like i think having a variety of different looks arm angles stuff shape velocity like those all play in having a good bullpen because the ability to mix and match and change looks is is so important definitely it feels like it's angled towards a deep october run the way that it's being set up now and very much touch wood hope that is the case Speaking of Kendall Graveman, he's been electric to watch since he since he joined. With baseball being as it is, it's particularly brutal in the sense that you get these mid-season trades where 
because you could tell from looking at his interviews when he'd just been traded that he had no idea that trade was coming whatsoever. So his entire life is uprooted. One second he's a Mariner in Seattle, bam. Next second he's an Astro and it's out of nowhere. You were traded in the mid- in middle of the 2019 season, right, to the Marlins, so correct? Mm-hmm. Were you able yep. to offer kind of a, a supportive arm to him in terms of making that transition to help him kind of find his feet? Um, we haven't really talked about it a whole lot, but like knowing, knowing what he went through, like is, is definitely something that like, I definitely sympathize with the ability, like, like Mm. ability to pick up and move and, and, and adapt and, and, and do things, but he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's been on a couple different teams. He had been with Toronto. He had been with, I believe the Cubs and Oakland before. So he had, he had been on multiple teams. So he kind of understands and definitely, or I won't say kind of definitely understands like the importance of coming into a clubhouse, getting acclimated, like meeting people, knowing the right people, like, like through the front office and the, and the training staff and the support staff and everybody to like help you do your job the best you can. So Mm. he's, he's definitely come over very, very prepared. Like he may not have been prepared for the trade, yeah but he was very prepared for like after the trade. I, I was listening to you on, um, there was that podcast, The Grind with um, Slimzilla and Yeti, where you were talking about balancing your personal life with your kind of athletic life. Um, mm-hmm. How do you do it? Like, how, how do you manage in a situation like that? What, what is your thought process in order to make that transition as smooth as possible without losing your head? Because uh, I can imagine your emotions are running wild when, when you get traded like that. Yeah, it's a lot. It's been, it's in like, I don't know. It's, it's such a weird thing because I feel like most people don't know what it's like to get traded. Like we're, we're as athletes looked at as, Hey, just go do your job. Yeah. Like, well, yes. It's like the game is the simple part of the whole process. Mm. You're like, but I also have a baby on the way. I have a wife. I have a dog. I have a le- I have, I have, I, have a, I have a place that I'm renting, like in that city. Like I have my car, and like it's like me and my wife have our cars. Like we have we have stuff that we have to figure out. And most of the time, you get a day or two to like go to a new city. So, like I was in a lucky situation whenever I got traded, like my time that. I had to make that adjustment and I only had to go three and a half hours South, but like just if, if you were, I don't know, in oh, Arizona and you got traded to New York and you had two days to go, all right, now go find a place to live and get your vehicles. If you take them, mm-hmm. your family, your kids, your animals, whatever, whatever it may be and, 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 and leave and go to a new place and meet a whole bunch of new people and get adjusted to everything else. And it's just a lot that people don't see that goes into it because you, like you said, you, like people don't always see us as, as people. Yeah. Which is you're just, totally unfair. Yeah. You're just, you're just an entertainer to a lot of people, which it's like, I get, but it's also like, it's, hard. Yeah. it's just life things that happen and, and you, you roll with it, you adjust, you adapt because that's, that's your job and you deal with it. But I think that's that's something that most fans 
typically lose sight of that definitely people have other things in their lives that they have to deal with alongside their job like everybody else does absolutely everyone you see out there we're all human beings and have the same things going on uh, i'm glad you mentioned about your your little one on the way uh, i just want to say i hope all's going well with the, with the pregnancy really mm-hmm. thrilled for you uh, i'm a father myself and uh, all i can say is you're in for an incredible ride it's, it's just it's the greatest thing there is it's a cliche to say it but it, it really is i'm absolutely ecstatic for you and i, I really can't wait to, to, to hear once uh, once your little one's here. That's really, really exciting. Yeah, we're, we're very excited. Let's rewind a bit. Let's go back to when you were growing up in, um, was, it in St. Louis, was it in St. Louis or was it in Kansas I, where you were growing up? I was born in St. Louis and like I moved to Kansas City whenever we were in, in uh, first grade. So uh, what, what, t- what team did you support when you were growing up? Well, I grew up a Cardinal fan. And then, uh, like, being in Kansas City, like, obviously watched the Royals and went to a lot of Royals games because they were mm-hmm. 20 minutes from my house. So those were kind of uh, the two teams I followed mostly. Who were your influences when you were sort of a, a youngster looking up at the, the, the greats of the game at the time? Oh, boy, there's a ton. Like Yeah, far away. Like, Let's do it. Initially, like, Mark McGuire was a big one. Albert Pujols was like my favorite player ever forever and um it's been pretty wild that i've actually gotten to compete against mm-hmm. still and, going. And actually yeah it's still going and we have the same representation agency wise so that's oh, been wow. pretty cool so yeah like and uh, honestly a guy that i play with zach grinky when he was with kansas city was one of my favorites like obviously that's it's something that we've talked about i feel I feel bad. I feel like I might age him or something, but like he was spectacular. He's always, he's, he's been like such a special talent in the game for so long. And like, yeah, guys like that. And then some Cardinal guys like Wainwright early on in his career, Chris Carpenter beforehand, like just a lot of guys like that over the course of, of time have kind of been guys that I've, I've followed and was fans of. Yeah, I think when it comes to Albert Pujols as an Astros fan, it still makes me shudder. The thought of just uh, the amount of damage he's done to the Astros over the years is is staggering when you look at the at the stats. Um, and absolutely right regarding Zach Grinke, just a, a masterful pitcher to watch. Really, someone who you can tell is in complete control of of his of his craft and very much a thinker. You can tell how much he he studies it and is 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 an absolute student of what he does. Uh, I, I love watching him pitch. I think it's um we've been very very blessed to have him uh, have him as part of the Astros for the for the time he's been with us. So when you're growing up, when did you know that being a, uh, a ball player was what you wanted to do? Where how old were you and and was there a sort of particular moment you can put your finger on? Um, no, I honestly I have no idea when that was like the thing that like I decided, but like, I've never, I never didn't think that this was what I was going to do as mm-hmm. weird as it's like, no, it doesn't sound weird at all. That means yeah, like, you had, you, you had that certainty. Yeah. Yeah. Like I knew this was going to be what I, what I was going to do. And it's weird. It's like, I went to college and like, I'm, I'm not finished yet, obviously. Cause I, I signed as a junior, but like, I was so certain that this was what I was going to do that I, I didn't have a, I didn't have a backup plan. 
Like it, it's such a, it's, I feel like it's weird to say and when I say it, but like, I think it's so hard to be successful at something and get to the highest level at something. If you have a backup plan, if you have yeah. something to fall back on and go, Oh, if this doesn't work out, I can do this. Or if this doesn't work out, Oh, I could do that. And you're like, if you give yourself an excuse and an option to fail or an option to quit or give up on something, when it gets hard and you struggle, it gives you something to go, Oh, I just, I just didn't do it. I'm going to go do that because I have that just in my back pocket. Like so many guys like that get to this level and stay and play for a long time and are super successful and work so hard. They work so hard because like, this is plan a B and C like, like you do it because like, you're like, this is, this is what I wanted to do. And this is what I basically gave myself to doing. And yeah, it's, 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 it's weird to think about that. Like I didn't really ever like, Oh, I didn't really give myself a backup plan. I gave myself one option and it was be successful and get to this point and play baseball. <laughs> Absolutely. You went all in hundred percent. And, and that's, I think that's, yeah, definitely a factor as to why players will make it because, you know, you, you do back yourself to the, to that degree. Was there a moment that you can recall thinking that, Hey, I'm actually going to do this. Like, as in, I'm actually going to make it to the majors. Like, was was there a moment earlier on, or was it was it later on? I, I like asking that question. I've asked it to a few players, but it's it's always fascinating to hear the answers. Yeah, yeah. I I've had moments where I didn't think it was going to work, and I've had moments that I interesting thought it was like, and that's like it, baseball is a tough game, and like, and and the the minor leagues is long, and I think I think when I got drafted out of high school the first time. Mm-hmm. that I was like, I'm pretty sure this is what I'm going to do. Like I was like convinced that this is what I, it was what I was going to do. And then when I got drafted, it was like that confirmation, like, Hey, you could do this. And then I went to college and like, I did well there. And then I got drafted again. And it was like, yeah, this, you can still do this kind of mentality. And I don't know if there was any one like moment besides the day I got yeah. called up the first time that it was like, Oh damn, I'm, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm actually going to do like, like everything's going to come to fruition that like you would put so much time and effort and like sweat into that. You're like, I'm, I'm going to make it. Mm. And it's such a weird, like, like combination of emotions that hit you all at one time. Like, like just the, like the calling my parents to tell them I was getting called up. Like, I cried. I can't, I'm not like, there's, there's like, I, I they're like, that's like, like when mm. everything that you'd worked so long for, like hits you and you're like, dang, I'm, I'm, I'm going like, this is like what I've been trying to do for so long. Like, I, like, I guess that might've been the moment, the, the moment. Mm. So you, you got drafted the first time, I think it was 2010, was that <laughs> by, by the Mariners, uh, if my research is correct, in the third round, um, but you didn't sign. What was that like not signing at the time? Was that a case of you knew the road ahead and you knew what you had to do or did you feel it was a risk? Or how, what, what were your emotions at the time? Uh, stress, a lot of stress because uh, I came from just a very middle class family, like yeah. 
they offered a lot of money at the at the time to, to go and i was like but with with my family we had a, he had ma- basically like talked about it and made made a decision that if we didn't get to a certain figure dollar figure to pass up college i was going to college because there was a lot in college that i really wanted to go do and accomplish and 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 and, and live basically as like like just as a, as a, as a kid, basically. And we basically didn't get to that number. I went to college and it, like, I was stressed a lot because like you turn down life-changing money to like go to college and get nothing, but like, it's like, it's a scholarship. Yes. Like that's, it's not nothing. Yeah. But, like it's like the ability to make a lot of money at 18 years old and when I didn't really have any money, <laughs> it was like, uh, what did I do? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was wild. It was definitely a lot of like of stress, but like, I bet on myself. I bet that like I would do better and I would prove that I was worth what I was worth. And in the long run, it definitely worked out. It definitely had some moments where it was like, Oh boy. But <laughs> It was, it was good. It was, it was, it's definitely something that, that for me personally was a thousand percent worth it. And I guess when you got drafted the second time uh, in 2013 by the race, that must've been a moment of, oh, not just relief, but it's just extreme celebration, whatever, you, whatever the word is, there's a word I'm missing. It must be like an explosion of, of everything. Uh, it must be incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty spectacular. Like for, for me, like it was, it was kind of a culmination of a lot of things that, Mm -hmm. that that I, like, like I said, had been working for at the time. Like I I had honestly expected to get drafted substantially higher going in, like going into the year. It's like I had a really good year, but I had like, I guess teams had some like injury concerns like going into it. So I'd fallen and like, through that process that was like I was stressed about falling but didn't realize that there's a plan and like for whatever reason like there, there there's there's a plan and like everything happens for a reason so I got like like that happens I fall I fall to a place where it was still first round to be fair I mean it yeah was the yo, back very, end of the first round but yeah 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 very 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 true and that's like I by no means do I do I take that for granted at all mm. like it's it's like it just it's things happened so specifically that I'd fallen in and so many things in my life would be so vastly different if it wasn't for that, that like, I'm so thankful that everything happened exactly the way it did because I've been very fortunate. I've lived a good life and I've had a lot of fun along the way. And like, it's been, it's been pretty awesome. Long may it continue as well. Um, yeah, let's um let's go a bit more general with the discussion here. Let's look at Major League Baseball in general. Obviously, with the strange, shortened COVID nineteen affected pandemic season of last year, there were a number of rule changes that were introduced to the game. A couple of which, or two or three of which, remain today. I want to get your thoughts on those changes uh, particularly ones like the runner the ghost runner on second in extra innings because i have to tell you as a fan i despise it one of the worst things i've ever seen in baseball absolutely not real baseball and it's atrocious but I, as a player how do you feel about it <laughs> uh i 
I don't know. I, I don't love it. I don't I just like just coming into a game, knowing that there's like you start an inning and there's a guy already at second base and you're in extra innings. So it's already stressful. It's already like a pressure situation. And then you're adding more to it just in the, in the essence of trying to shorten a game. Like that's, I, I don't, I don't hate the rule, but I think they could have done it better. I think you, I think maybe play two extra innings. Yeah. Like two, think, yeah. Like, like maybe, maybe push it back an inning or two. Like, it's like I get it. Like sometimes it saves arms, it saves people from being optioned, it saves it saves some of those things. Which yes, I do think there is value in that. But like, also taking away from baseball being baseball, maybe play two extra innings, like straight up. If the game's not decided, then then do that. Like maybe mm. it, I think fans would have taken to that a, maybe a little bit better. Even if they played one extra inning and then did it after that, it might have been a little different of a take. I don't know. I just think it's a telltale sign that it's a BS rule when you see that they removed it from the postseason. If it's not in the postseason, then you can tell that they know that it's something which isn't really part of baseball, in my opinion. But um, I, I think it just it just it it's there's such an element of luck with it. Mm. Like I don't know, like it's that runner on second. I feel like scores so often that like half the time it ends up being yeah they're gonna you're gonna play an extra two or three innings anyway because yeah a bunch of sack fly scores them and then no like there's two outs recorded in a row and there's a guy that scores and you're like well the guy could get a loss for that and that hurts yeah. that hurts your numbers exactly. for that yep. so i don't know it's it's just it's 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 a weird it's a weird kind of push and pull with that rule at times i feel like what about the three batter minimum? That one I don't really mind. I don't really notice it because um, yeah, I, I, I don't mind that one either. It's obviously, I'm not a pitcher, but but yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind that rule as as a viewer. I'm not, I've got no problems with it. I I remember speaking to um, Robert Ford, the Astros radio announcer, last year on the show, and he was saying how much managers were absolutely fuming with the with the thought of having to have pitches in for three batters but i mean yeah i I don't personally have a problem with it yeah i feel like it's like yes i think it it, it's it's tough because like sometimes you just want to get your get a guy in for these two specific hitters which i get like i do as a pitcher like i don't have a problem with it but uh, like with that but i also like don't have like have a problem with a guy having to get three guys out if you go out there and throw an inning you throw an inning like i don't know I, i i don't see as much of a problem with that one just because like I think I would see more of a problem if it affected like me personally more like I like I feel like it affects um guys that are very very dominant against one side and almost like like the lefty the lefty specialist that that we had for years that there would be a guy or two in the bullpen that would come in and get the two best lefties on the team out each day or like a righty that would come in and get the two big biggest righties in the lineup out like just it's like like that it affects more so than than anybody else mm. and if you get both sided hitters out at a roughly the same rate i mean you're going to probably throw full innings anyway because you're not as much of a matchup specific type of player definitely switching slightly but keeping the general focus 
with the CBA negotiations looming after this year, as a player, how concerned are you with what looks like a potential sort of tsunami in waiting uh, with various different issues across the board? Do you think that there is a real chance of problems? Like I'm talking, obviously I'm not asking to comment on the thoughts of, of something like a lockout, but do you think that, that it's overblown or do you think that there are real reasons to be concerned ahead of the off season when it arrives? I don't really know. I think it's like, there's obviously like, I feel like typically some tension between the two sides and yeah. any league like NFL, NBA, mm-hmm. ML, any of the soccer, any of the, the football leagues, like any, any, any league and it's, and it's, players are going to have some discussion or, or, or strife or arguments about any, anything like rules, collective bargaining, any of that. I think those are all, all things and where it goes, who knows, honestly, like it's, it's up to the union and the, in the league to, to hash it out. And hopefully everything works out in, uh, in the best way possible for, for players, the league, the fans, everybody. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think after last year, the last thing that anyone wants is any sort of extended problems between the two sides because that was awful uh, when they were trying to get things arranged for the shortened season last year. It was it was, it was terrible to, to, to see and, and try and uh, sort of experience that. Um, yeah, so, right, let's say right now, I'm making you MLB commissioner... And you have to, you have, if you're going to make, if you're going to make one change or maybe two changes to MLB, what would, what changes would you make? One change? Yeah. So Uh, you, you, Ryan Stanek are now the Major League Baseball Commissioner. And what change would you make if you could make one change? I'll put you on the spot there. So I know it's a pretty big, pretty big decision to make. Honestly, I really, I like the seven game double or seven inning double headers. I I think keep that. Like, I, I think the fact that you do that and you keep the seven inning double headers, like I think that's probably controversial because people people are like, oh, the stats are going to change. I'm like, yeah, they might. But also, like, they've also never had to play 18 innings in a day and watch a team option and send down mm-hmm. two or three guys and have to call up two or three guys just so you can play the next day without – absolutely killing a bullpen or abusing a starter or playing a guy in the field that's already banged up because they already had to play 18 innings the day before. Just like, there's a lot, a lot that goes into that, that I think people don't like because it's maybe less baseball, but they also don't understand that when you have a limited roster and you have to play so many games and people have to pitch and do all these things, just to keep people healthy and like not have to just like send people down that shouldn't get sent down. I think those are, those are good, good things. Appreciate that. Right. Let's start wrapping up with a few lighthearted things. Looking online, I was trying to find out, do you have a nickname? Because uh, all, I, all I saw online was the rooster and I've never heard that. And I, I don't know if that is that, is that real? The rooster. Yeah, I, I think it was on on um, it was either on Wikipedia or one of these pages, and I, I've never heard you called that, and I don't know why you call that, and I don't know what that even relates to. Yeah, I don't know. I've I've I just been called Stanny. Like Sergio Romo used to call me uh, long hair Stanny pants. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, 
I mean, besides that, no, I don't like, like, I don't have a ton of nicknames. I just, I, I kind of find it odd when I hear my first name said because nobody ever calls me by my first name except like my mother. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. But besides that, nothing. Uh, I was talking about Apollo, the group which which I'm part of earlier in the show. And there was one of the, there's the image of you in the bullpen where you're kind of slightly hunched, uh, which, which was uh, quite, it was a great image okay. for a meme. And one of the guys put it in, um, put you in the disco. So it was Stanek at the disco instead of Panic at the disco. It was a, it's a great image. And um, yeah, <laughs> we, need, we need to get that on a shirt or something because it's, it's, it's excellent. Hey, the problem with that picture is in the, it's in the dugout mm-hmm. and I'm tall. So you sit below the railing. And the railing is literally like directly in my eyesight. So like, I can't see. (laughs) And I didn't even realize that like, I was hunched over like that. I was literally just like bent over, like with my neck, just just so I could see the game. And then I think it was uh, Julia uh, that took the picture. And I'm just like, that's such a bad picture. (laughs) (laughs) It's a classic. It is a classic. Yeah, I think, so one thing I have to ask on behalf of my guys, would you be open to doing any sort of Apollo media related stuff in the future if, um, if the opportunity arises? I mean, I don't have any problem. I don't like, I'm, I'm pretty, I feel like pretty easy going. Like I don't have, honestly, I don't have a whole lot going on most of the time. So cool. yeah. I will, uh, I'll pass it on. I, th- I think you, you may have a fair bit going on when your little one arrives, but, um, uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah but yeah, so we, we might need to, we might need to do that before, before too long, not to use you as the messenger, but I need you to speak to Alex Bregman because I've been trying to get some of that Breggy bomb salsa over here uh, and I can't get a response out, <laughs> out of him online to, to, to try and get some sort of transatlantic delivery. And I, I need to get involved. I need, is it as good? Have you tried it? It's very good. It's like I, I really I need it. it a lot, actually, which is is saying something because I'm usually pretty particular about my salsa. Mm. Uh, and Sorry. yeah, we, me and me and my wife have actually liked it a lot. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's been hard to come by anyway because I think they just started doing like shipments and everything mm. uh, pretty recently. So it's H E B over there who um who who sell it right. Say what? Is H H E B the 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 store? I think which, I think which stocks it. I don't know. I haven't. I have, I don't think I've seen it. Like I've only. I haven't been into H E B in probably probably maybe a month at this point. Um, but yeah, I would I would say that H E B probably sells it. Yeah. If you can pass on a message to Bricks to to sort me out with some, I'd be amazed. Honestly, that would be that would be incredible. <laughs> and I'd love to have him on the show as well. So that's me being cheeky, but I'd love to have him on the show as well. Right. The very last thing. Just before we go, I'd like to say thank you so much for spending the time talking to me. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've loved hearing your insight on everything. Thank you. No, it's been great. I appreciate I appreciate you having me. Um, and the very final thing is where can people find you on social media? Um, Instagram and Twitter at rstanek underscore 55. Perfect. Best wishes for the upcoming series against the Angels. Hope you guys do the business and for the rest of the season. We have a lot of fans across the world. Uh, we have about 160 odd here in the UK alone. And uh, we stay up all kinds of silly hours watching you guys. And, and we love what you do. Uh, and we are fully backing you guys all the way to try and get that ring. And yeah, I have nothing but the, the strongest of, of, of best wishes for you guys for the rest of the season. Thank you so much. We, we really appreciate it. And, uh, and uh, thanks for having me. 
Appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Have you too. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Welcome back to Strolls Across the Globe. I must say I very much enjoyed speaking with Ryan Stanek. He comes across as a very laid back and personable guy and I was intrigued with some of the responses he gave me. It was great to hear how the team have bonded together this year in the face of relentless booing from crowds on the road and managed to turn the tables on many occasions. By a similar token, it was very interesting to get Stanek's take on what it is like to be traded mid-season and how Kendall Graveman is coping with such a pressurised situation on and off the field. As always, it is fascinating to hear about the relationship which Brent Strom has with our pitchers. I don't think I could ever get tired of hearing about how they work on such an individual basis to both improve themselves and benefit the greater group. I love to hear Ryan's story of his inspirations and how he made it to the majors. Plus, with a huge year for him away from baseball very imminently approaching, I wish him all the very best for the many exciting times and indeed years ahead. I really hope you enjoyed listening. Onto the Apollo Media t-shirt prize giveaway and I decided to do things a little differently this time around. Rather than a random number draw, I rather shamelessly ripped off an idea from a Taylor Swift promo video featuring anagrams of song titles that was on Twitter recently. So what I did was make my own video using anagrams of the names of all my guests on strolls across the globe, ending with Ryan Stanek, before posting this on Twitter and seeing who could work out what this was all about first. I was anticipating it going for some time, but amazingly I had a correct answer inside around 20 minutes. The winner was fellow UK-based Astros fan at hugs underscore four underscore homers. And huge congratulations to him. He will shortly be receiving that t-shirt, which I can reliably inform will be that excellent machete and chill Apollo Media design. That's all for episode 14. Please make sure you are following me on Twitter. That's at Astros Fans UK. And on Instagram as UK Astros Fans. And on Facebook as George Martin with the Union Jack in Astros Colours as the display pick. If you have any Strolls Across the Globe questions, you can also email me at astrosfansuk at gmail.com. Please make sure that you follow Apollo Media, that's at Apollo HOU on Twitter and Apollo HOU on Instagram. Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. Thank you again for listening to Strolls Across the Globe. Please subscribe, rate and review the show wherever you're listening to this. I look forward to having you with me again soon for the next episode. And remember, wherever you are across the globe. Let's go Strohs.